Welcome to Growth Amplifiers. I am Kenny Harper. Growth Amplifiers showcases ideas from the top business owners and entrepreneurs to inspire and empower you thrive in your life, business, and achieve a higher purpose. I'll be sharing actionable insights you can apply towards your business in each session. Growth Amplifiers is dedicated to you, your success, and fulfillment. Get ready to amplify. Hello, Amplifiers. Kenny Harper here. And one thing I wanted to share is when you're aiming to grow your business or an organization, you really want to have a good why behind it is what you're doing. What are you pushing forward? What's the bigger reason you do what you do? After all, at the end of the day, it's not just about how much money you can make or how big you can grow a company. It's the impact that you can make in the world that will have the legacy for generations to come. Our guests today are two rock star professionals who have created something awesome. And I'm honored to have them join us on Growth Amplifiers. We have Doug Cornfield, who is going to be joining us. He is an author, speaker. And um, we also have his partner, who is a leader in the D3 Day events. And just an over-around inspirational guy, Dave Clark. So, Doug and Dave, welcome to Growth Amplifiers. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Kenny. Good to be here. All right. So, we're going to do a little bit of passing the mic. And uh, we've got two awesome people. So, this is going to be fun. This is the first time with double guests. So, I'm, I'm going to see if we have a volunteer. Who would like to go first? Kenny, I, I think that should probably be me. This is Doug. And um, the reason I... I like to go first because I like to introduce Dave. Many people do not know his story at all. Mm -hmm. um, I I reached out to him now 20 years ago. I have a son that was born with neither arm. And Dave, I found out about him reading an article in the Atlanta Journal or Constitution 20 years ago when he's gotten the Heroes of Sports Award for doing sports camps and for, for children and young adults with disabilities. So this what we do is really not new to him. But I was amazed when I read his story in this in this newspaper on a couple of accounts one I didn't know about him and and probably the people listening here don't know about him either but Dave's a polio survivor so he survived a pandemic from years ago uh, when he was 10 months old but he also flash forward through some amazing life stories Dave's the only professional baseball player to actually play and pitch on crutches and he had a 10-year career pitching in the minor leagues and I met him and he was an inspiration to me and my family. And so in essence, that's one of the whys of, of what we do. And part of my why was I wanted Dave's story to be more known so that people could be impacted by his drive, by his dream and do attitude. And voila, 10 years ago, I left the office of Merrill Lynch uh, to partner with, with Dave Clark. And so that kind of sets the stage, I think, a little bit uh for the rest of the conversation as we go forward dave you have anything to add you can throw in there for you us just covered you, you just stole my thunder doug um <laughs> you know as, as, as doug <laughs> as doug said uh you know i was born uh just before the uh salt polio vaccine was uh on the market and so i came down with polio at 10 months old but one of the things i think that really attributed to a couple things that attributed to later success in life for me was the fact that I never had to transition from 
doing things one way to doing them another because I hadn't learned how to walk yet. So for me, growing up, uh, two crutches and two leg braces were the norm. That was that was my norm. And the other really important factor was my 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 family, uh, my two brothers and uh, Dan and Doug and my mom, Bernard and Lillian, mom and dad. Um, they didn't treat me any differently. They didn't treat me any differently than either my two brothers got treated or anybody else in the in the neighborhood. And I think that's key. And it's one of the things we strive to get across when we speak to the uh, parents and caregivers at our camps on camp day. Uh, and there's so many avenues and layers to our camps. It's not just about baseball and uh, the, the participants coming out and being instructed by the pro players. It's, it's much more and it goes much deeper than that. Now the organization D3 disability dream do i think i can't even fathom putting myself in the in the spot of what these kids and, and adults have experienced on their journey i have some minor setbacks in my day and those can be challenging right and the fact that we have people who are experiencing this, um, you know, challenges, this disability, and they have a leader that shows them there's, it's not just, you have to deal with this and it's a challenge. It's, you can use this to ascend and achieve a new possibility. And, and it's expire, inspiring people to, to show them a new path. I find that very, um, just motivational overall, what, what's the path to how this organization came to be? I'll take that. Doug. Ahead, um, um, Kenny, I've been very fortunate. You know, I, I, I look back now and uh, uh, a lot of people pulled me along, gave me help along the way of my dream. And one of my, you hit the nail on the head, really the one of, one of my, things that I truly believe in is there's dreamers that dream and then there's dreamers that dream and do. And I fall into that second category. And anybody talking uh, earlier about achieving things in the business world, really it's about achieving anything in life. Uh, you got to dream it. You got to do it. You can't just sit there and think about it. You got to go after it. And so because of all the people that helped me along the way um, and because of the things I experienced in being a person that had limitations I know how it feels to be the last guy picked in phys ed class in school mm -hmm. I know how it feels to be looked at and stared at I know how it feels to feel like you're different and so I naturally gravitated towards it. I've got so many stories I could relate, and we don't, we don't have time. But um, there, there's so many things that a person with limitations experiences that the person that doesn't have those big limitations doesn't. And I felt that, and I had a feel for that all through my life. So anyway, the question you asked, where did this path begin? Actually began in Jasper, Indiana. 
back in the 1980s, uh, and maybe even a little before that, I don't recall, but when I was still playing, um, I if we came into a city and I knew there was a um, a home that was there for people with limitations uh, or an organization, I would grab a guy, in, very informally, I would grab five, six teammates, hey guys, let's, uh, you know, before the game tonight, let's put on an impromptu camp for whoever wants to come out from these homes or organizations. Let's put them on the field and let's instruct them a little and run them around and get them out in the open air. And that's how it all started. Um, you know, just just impromptu, get them out on the field and, and then let them stay, watch the game. And, and uh, it, it really was great. And I started seeing that. I started seeing the 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 uh, magnitude of what it did for these people, um, of which I was one. I didn't have this opportunity. Nobody did this when I was was when I was growing up. So uh, that evolved into one one year we set up a real a, a more organized version of it at a VA center in Bath, New York, for veterans. And that re- and that really kicked it off. Oh, these guys just came out and had a ball. They uh, and we did it a week long. We did it a Monday through a Friday. When we got done, they wanted to do it again. So we did a second week. We got done, they wanted to do it again. We did a third week. Every third week, we kind of cut it off. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, but it was that was the birth of what's going on. And then. Uh, um, I, I was approached. I, I moved from my hometown of Corning, New York, to uh, Fort Myer, Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Florida. And the Minnesota Twins have a farm team here. And along the way of my journey, I had uh, had the distinct honor and privilege of of uh, getting to know Bill Veck, the old owner of the Chicago White Sox, who really was the forerunner of everything you see today with all the in-between innings antics and the mascots and so forth. And through Bill, I got to know his son, Mike. Well, Mike owned a minor league team here in Fort Myers. And uh, so I had just casually written Mike and uh, unknown to me, he sent a note to the general manager at Fort Myers, Steve Gleiner, that said, you got to meet this guy. You have to meet this guy. Mm. <laughs> so he was forced <laughs> into meeting me. Uh, from that meeting spawned what we do today. Uh, we we uh, we got a camp together here in Fort Myers for uh, young adults and, and kids with uh, limitations. Uh, the first year, I think we had 23. Uh, we're now up to over 100. Um, and that, that really spurred what we're doing now. I think, Doug, you came in on year four or five of that. I can't recall for sure. Uh, but Doug came along and decided he wanted to partner up and, and, uh, he came down, observed one of the camps and, uh, then we partnered up and, uh, we've cleaned this up and we have a model now that we do that's pretty successful and it really reaches uh not just the participants 
uh, it, it reaches the participants, it reaches the caregivers, the parents. It's unbelievable the impact it has on the players, the pro players. Uh, you kind of hit it a little earlier, Kenny, when you said you can't imagine what it's like. Neither can these players. And I go in and I address the players before the camp in their in their clubhouse. And I tell them, I've been where you're at. Don't ever take it for granted. It's a privilege to be where you're at playing professional baseball. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to drive that point home, you're going to find it out personally today. And I tell them it's going to be very uncomfortable the first 10, 15 minutes that you're out there because we don't even know the scope and the depth of the limitations that we're dealing with until we get out there. And we pretty much had them all. We've had deaf, blind, mentally, uh, wheelchairs, walkers, all kinds. Missing limbs. Missing limbs. uh, You name it, we've had it. And I tell them, you know, the first 10 or 15 minutes you're out there, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a little awkward. But once you meld in, it's going to be one of the days of your career that you'll never, ever forget. And it's going to put you in a different perspective. And sure enough, I mean, we've had we've had the coaches come and tell Doug, my players are easier to coach and manage after this camp. Um, had parents that have come up and years later and told us success stories. And it, and as I said earlier, it's really not about baseball. It's about letting them open their mind up to different possibilities and reaching for their potential, whatever that might be. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. It's sad but true, but one of the things that I see in almost anybody are the self-limiting beliefs. And when you're put in a situation where, you know, everyone else is, like you mentioned earlier, viewing you a certain way, acting towards you a certain way, and kind of pointing you in a direction, if you don't have a path or a vision or a way to to see what's possible, it's it would be a sad destination for a lot of people. But you you change that belief, and I I got a question for for Doug. You know, Doug, when you saw this and witnessed this for the first time, what about this organization really lit you up and and got you to think I really want to be a part of this and not just I just want to kind of volunteer, but I really want to get go all in and, and really help get this off the ground. So technically, probably just um, three or four months before um, I saw my first camp, uh, I got to witness one of Dave's first speaking events that we ever did together at the National Consortium of Athletics and Sports. And even though Dave and I had known each other for a, a while, uh, we he set up uh, at a diversity sports thing, and there's some big hitters at this thing. Um, just you know, as far as at this particular conference in Orlando, 
and they wanted Dave to share about 20 minutes of his story, and he shared three stories, and you could have heard a pin drop. And I mean, the emotions were so thick in that room. And, and at that point, Dave was literally on his crutches, and he's got notes in his hands. There's no multimedia presentation behind him or anything. It was just raw. This is my stories. And the response was an immediate standing ovation. And I'm sitting there scratching my head. I'm like, I got to do something. But you got to know, I've been asking Dave questions for 10 years prior to this. Pushed him to write a book. Uh, again, having a son with, with some significant limitations, Dave was already an inspiration to me. And so my initial inspiration when you're looking, why, why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. Is I felt like Dave's story should be no. It's a shame that it's not. It's actually... You know, with everything that's going on in this world, here we have a story, a front runner story of somebody that didn't just play uh, and not to put any of the Paralympics or any of those athletes down because there's some incredible athletes. He paved the road of playing uh, ability, you know, normal ability baseball at the, at, at the pro level, coaching at the highest level, Olympic coach, Atlanta Braves, scout for six different major league teams, all the stuff he's done. And he's done that at five foot two with virtually, you know, with very little use of his legs. And that story just wasn't even known. And as somebody that grew up in the sporting, sporting goods industry, my father was a world-class athlete. I'm sitting here learning about this story and I'm like, why don't, why don't people know this? And so from an entrepreneurial standpoint, because this is an entrepreneurial standpoint, mm-hmm. um, I left Merrill Lynch because I thought Dave's story had such great value. And we partnered to get his story known and shared. And of course, with the hopes of movie deals and, you know, more books and speaking and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but his heart, after we saw the camp, he goes, Doug, I want to do more camps. And I said, I get it. And so I literally devised the plan, created a name, Disability Green Do. And we started. You know, asking other teams, hey, would you want to do this? We met with the Binghamton Mets, and it took us a, a – we didn't get it done that first year. We got it done the second year. And then the AAA Twins, and then in the Nashville Sounds, you know, and then all of a sudden one team, um, you know, we started building these relationships, and we were having the same kind of success with every camp that we did. But as a parent, what I got to see, Dave's, our messaging at the camps is primarily geared toward parents with, of these kids and the mm-hmm. caregivers. And they got to hear what I had learned over the last 10 years of just, you know, having breakfast with Dave, meeting him in my office, having him over for dinner, whatever we did. And these parents were now hearing, don't hold your children back. Let them get a scrape on their knee. Yes, protect them as according to their situation but also let them try. And you would not believe how many times we hear at one of our camps from a parent, I didn't know my child could do this because mm-hmm. they were never let, they were never allowed to before. And, you know, so it's just one thing sparked after another. But from my perspective, when I saw the camp, our whole business plan basically got rerouted to setting up more sports camps. And then, and then, Initially, we were funding them ourselves through our own savings and 
you know, but obviously when you start serving two, three hundred people at a time, giving them all T-shirts, giving them all hats, feeding everybody, uh, traveling back and forth, you start realizing uh, these camps aren't too cheap to put on. And so right. then I had to put my business entrepreneurial hat on and figure out, okay, how do we do this? How do we get money? And voila, we're still somehow floating. <laughs> so now you've got Best Burn Enterprises. Yep. And could you guys share um, some of the ways that people could find out more about your organization, get involved? I know you've, you've got a series of books, A Pound of Kindness, really, really cool things online. What are some ways that people could get engaged, um, find out more about your company, and just overall support the cause? Right. So D3Day is kind of one of our main websites, D, the number three day.com mm -hmm. b3 standing for disability dream to do although along the way we have another dave that we added who's you, you probably should have him on as a guest separately because his story um seven-time emmy award winner with espn born with no legs played baseball football wrestled in high school and college played professional baseball for two weeks with the st paul saints you know and so i have dave dave and i'm doug so we're d3s in more ways than <laughs> one but um so d3day.com, and I don't know how much time we have to tell a story or whatever, but we're working on one of one of my business plans that I put um, before doing the camp was I wanted to write a whole series of children's books about Dave. Mm. And it took me a lot of years before we got my first one done, and we are working on a project that is kind of birthed out of that same story right now uh, in partnership with Pat Savin, who wrote the book for Dick and Rick Hoyt. If you don't know the Hoyt family, uh, the father and son duo that did all the marathons together, the Boston Marathon where the father pushed the son. Uh, it, that's been pretty well um, viewed and shared you know, across the country, that particular story. But we have another project going. Uh, we finally signed a movie deal, so we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, it's just there's a lot of things that are going, and but really Dave's heart was, can we do more camps? And so that's been a majority of our livelihood for the last uh, ten years together. Is, is putting cause the, the camps take a heck of a lot of my effort, my family's effort. And, um, you know, so that's that's where we're going. But D three day, and then as far as the children's book. Um, it's hard to find a better story. And I come out of the children's entertainment industry in the nineties, mm -hmm. um, worked with, I promoted a series of uh, animations that were done by former Disney animators and uh, really high level projects. And so when I was putting this book together, I wanted to be, you know, at that level, I didn't want it to uh, be a typical children's book. I got seven kids and I've read some bad children's books. Let's just say, right. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't, I didn't want it to be that. Um, but I, I don't know if we have time to tell that story because it's, it's to me, it's one of the greatest true stories for a child like Dave. Um, but it's better. I think sometimes having Dave share it, if we've got time to do that, I don't know what our time sure. is here. Well, well, um, let's, let's kind of put that as, as one of the, the bonuses here and, right, um, so we got bonus. we'll have that, we'll have that story and, then we'll, we'll ask Dave if he can share um, some some parting words of advice that he's learned on his journey. Very good. Okay, you want to start? 
You want me? You want me to share that, Doug? The uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and share the, the, the pound, the pound story. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you, you kind of breaking up on me a little bit. Anyway, um, so as I mentioned earlier, Kenny, um, am I still there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Kenny, um, you know, I wasn't made to feel any different. Uh, throughout the early stages of my life, uh, uh, neighborhood kids, brothers, parents, never treated me any different. But once I got to school, it was a whole different story, and it was an eye-opener because bullying isn't new. Uh, Bullying existed a long, long time ago and probably a long time before I was alive as well. Um, So when I got to school, Really was the first time I was made to feel, you know what, you are you are different. Uh, I got picked on um, unmercifully by the bullies, and uh, made it almost where you know I really didn't want to go to school, and uh, you know was bordering on that. And uh, so very early on in the first grade, uh, our teacher announced a walking field trip a local fire station in Corning, New York, about a five-block walk, and she announced it a couple weeks ahead of time. So all the kids were all happy, you know, they were going to get outside, weren't going to have to do writing, reading, and arithmetic for a day, And, and uh, uh, but not me. I looked at it from a whole different perspective. I was like, oh, boy, I got to walk, and I'm walking with two leg braces, two crutches, so I'm naturally slower. And the other kids, and I'm thinking I'm going to get bullied unmercifully because I'm slowing the line down, and they got to wait for me, and uh, it's going to be just a god-awful day. And as the time grew closer, the anxieties grew bigger and bigger, and the day finally came, and I didn't want to go, and I got up that morning and started coughing and told my mom I was sick. I wasn't going to be able to go to school. If I went, I'd get all the other kids sick, and my mom was a pretty tough old lady, but fair, and she said, get your braces on, you're not sick, you're going to school, Mm. so back then, you did what you were told, might be a little bit different today, but you did what you were told then, so I got dressed, and reluctantly, I went to school, and was literally shaking in my boots as the teacher announced, all right, let's line up, we're getting ready to go. And I did the only thing I could think of uh, for self-preservation, self-defense. I waited until the line formed, and I went to the very back of the line. I was the last person. I'm thinking in my little six-year-old, seven-year-old brain, all right, if they don't look back, I'll be okay. Because even though I'm slower, eventually I will catch them. And if they don't look back, I'll be okay. That's my only defense I have. Uh, so I'm at the end of the line, and just before the teacher says, all right, let's go, little six-year-old classmate named Ernie Pound pulled up this little radio flyer red wagon, and he said, Dave, I brought this to school for you today. Jump in. I'm going to pull you. And it just changed the whole day. Um, Ernie had a great time pulling me. Uh, a lot of the kids in the class wanted to take turns pulling Dave. Nobody was slowed down. We got there. We went through our 
visitation of the fire hall and return to class and and again in the in the wagon and uh I never forgot that act of kindness mm. and uh, I I mentioned it Ernie did that and and that's a message I get across today as well is you know do a little tiny act of kindness for someone else because that little tiny act of kindness you do for somebody else may explode into a huge act of kindness down the road. You don't know where that person is when you do that for them. And if you do it, it may change their whole perspective of that day or their life. It doesn't have to be anything great, just even saying something nice to someone. Because we're all too caught up in the world revolving too fast. And, and I mean, it's literally a mess. If we could be more kind to one another, I think we'd uh, certainly be farther ahead. But anyway, I never forgot Ernie. And Ernie moved after first grade. He moved out of town. He went to his family, went to California. Never saw Ernie again. And uh, when Doug was reading through my uh, biographical book, he noticed that I included that story in the book. And he set out to find Ernie. And unknown to me, he found him. Wow. And at the, very, at the very first book signing I ever did, he arranged for Ernie to show up. Ernie had moved back to the East Coast, and he was only 45 minutes away from Corning. And so he urged uh, Ernie to come down to the first book signing. And uh, so I was signing books, looking up quickly and say, who should I sign this to? And who should I sign this to? Eventually, somebody slid a book under my nose, and I looked up, who should I sign this to? And there was a hesitation. And the guy said, um, sign that to uh, Ernie Pound. Mm. <laughs> uh, the emotions flowed. Doug was ready. He has it on video because he knew what was coming. I didn't. Um, and Ernie and I have reconnected. And uh uh, you know, we occasionally stay in touch. He's been at some of our events. And uh, so the reunion occurred, even though I had not seen Ernie for 40-some years uh, since he did that kind act. Right. And Dave and I have um, been telling that story now for quite a while. And we get a pretty unbelievable response at, wherever we share it, at our events or keynotes or wherever. And so I finally, um, just last year, put uh, published the book called A Pound of Kindness. And so that that book can be found at apoundofkindness.net. P3 Day is a way to get free shipping for a promo code right now. But that story is so powerful. Dave and I actually created an award that we give away at our events called the Pulling Each Other Along Award. And that goes to unsung heroes like Ernie. Ernie Pound that are helping those in the community. And uh, we're actually, one of our projects right now is our first book called uh, Pulling Each Other Along, uh, book one. And it's a compilation chapters of people, inspirational people, some names you would know, which I'm not going to drop right now, that are talking not about their story, but about the people and the things that pulled them along. And so it's a little twist on inspirational people that we've met along the way are going to talk about the people that helped them in their life 
and help them succeed, et cetera. So that's a really exciting book, pro, uh, book uh, that we have in the works right now uh, through the same publisher that I did um, the Pound of Kindness, doc, you know, the Pound of Kindness. Excellent. It's such an inspirational story and the reminder of how sometimes a small act of kindness, you it takes maybe a, a small moment, a little bit of energy out of your day can be a huge milestone a, to, could change the trajectory of someone's future just from taking that moment to give just a little bit an act of kindness very powerful very inspirational thank you for sharing that story and for sharing ways that people can connect and learn more about your mission in your organization. I think that's a great piece of advice. That's typically how we end the show is, oh, you know, what's a piece of advice? And I think that's a, a good recap or a good takeaway, I should say, is to make sure that you're leaving those, those little acts of kindness along your path as you're helping others, you know, as you're, as you're connecting with others and interacting with others, give. The ripple effect is huge. Absolutely. And uh, I wouldn't be able to put the energy into the Disability Dream and Do, uh, the Dave Clark story, all the stuff that we're working in, if I didn't see such great fruit that comes from the camps, when people hear Dave speak, when we get to share our stories. And, and that's what keeps fuel in the tank. You know, when the, when the money's low, which it often is with what we do. We give away so much. Um, but when when the tank is low, mm -hmm. uh, that's when we get filled up, you know, and it makes it, it makes it easier to keep moving for sure. Well, Doug, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Well, that's, you know, I just, we just, Dave's, Dave's story, and I know most people, if whoever's listening to this probably never heard it before. And so he's got a book called Diamond in the Rough. Uh, the Dave Clark story. It's available at aponticinus.net is, is the cheapest way I think you can get it right now with a D3 day. But learn about his story, help share it, um, because it's such a powerful story and it was a, it's a frontline story. This was a story that happened before, and Dave can go on and on. You're going to hear stories about him being called the worst of names, being yelled at at ballparks, food being thrown out, uh, because they did not want somebody with crutches pitching and striking them out. Mm. Um, he was he was a front runner. This was not a time frame of, oh, the person with a disability, that's great, you know, and cheering them on. <laughs> uh, it was just, just the opposite. And and Dave was just the personality to be able to um, fight through those things. And, and he's one of the most resilient, re, well, he is the most resilient man I've ever met and dealt with. And, um, He's 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 many other things too, but it's it's a great lesson to learn from, and and it's a joy to be able to share these stories, uh, after, you know, literally for ten years now, and I don't I don't really tire of it, and and I learn new stories every time Dave and I get together, which is often, uh, because we could be sitting here talking for the next uh, ten hours, and I would run out of material, and I'm and I'm not overestimating with that. I can tell mm -hmm. you that for sure. Thank you. And, and Dave, um, 
Thank you, Doug. And Dave, do you have a closing piece of advice you'd like to share for others on their journey? Yeah, a couple things that, that I've learned along the way and that people kind of is, is don't mentally imprison yourself. Um, and a lot of us do. We uh, uh, unknown, unknowingly even, we, we imprison ourselves with our thoughts. And uh, a couple of things I've learned along the way is uh, everybody is fearful. It's a human uh, trait to be fearful. If somebody tells you they've never been afraid in their lives, they're lying. We all have a degree of fear in our lives. Uh, and you can react to fear in two different ways. You can either let it paralyze you or you can let it drive you. And I chose the latter because there's been a lot of times in my life that I've been in situations that, you know, I've been afraid. I've been a little bit tepid, a little bit leery. Um, but I've never let it paralyze me. And I would encourage people to not get, and especially in today's world, there's a lot of people that are fearful. Don't let it paralyze you. Do not let fear paralyze you. Let it, let it make fear work for you. Let it drive you. And um, so I always close my speeches by saying, uh, uh, give it all you've got because there's no dream that's ever impossible. I'll leave you with that. Doug, Dave, thank you very much for sharing such an inspirational organization, mission, and the stories that are compelling and heart-touching. I highly appreciate you both and appreciate you sharing your time with Growth Amplifiers and the Growth Amplifiers community. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having Thanks me, Kenny. Kenny. Appreciate it. To show your support, take a moment to amplify this message by sharing it online. To connect with me or gain more business growth insights, visit www.growthamplifiers.com. Thank you for your support.